Have you ever given yourself or received psychic damage from a comment you've heard? Like, as an example, on my way here, I was having a bit of um, imposter syndrome. Okay. And normally I keep the deprecating comments in my head, but I decided to say it out loud this time. Don't even think them. And about halfway through, <laughs> I felt the psychic damage take effect. Nice. Um, I have been friends with Adam for uh, more than 30 years. Yes. Yes, I have taken That's psychic. That's just abuse. That's just, well, it's self-imposed at this point. But no, I... I Stockholm I, Syndrome? Maybe. I don't know. Like, uh, Adam's a great guy. I love him. Uh, he's one of my best friends. Um, but he is far wittier than I am sometimes, and I I make mm-hmm. I make myself far too easy of an of a target. So it's a little bit of my fault. It's a little bit of him just being uh, just knowing what buttons to hit from thirty years of friendship, right, Terry? Have I ever taken psychic damage from a comment I've heard? I think uh, a lot of years ago I did, and then I went through this phase. Dan will know this. Uh, where I now don't let anybody speak badly about themselves ever. Oh, no. I take, no. And, and even if somebody gives me a negative comment, I'm like fucking bulletproof with this stuff. Like, if somebody says something to me, I'll look at them, scan them up and down like a Terminator and be like, well, you're not shit. So see you later. Like that, but I think it. And I don't say it out loud because I like to be a nice person. But I'm very... Uh, I, I took a conscious step to decide that people will not hurt me with words anymore. Yeah. And I don't let it happen. Don't well, you are proof. you are the like cheerleader of the podcast. Like if, right. if we're ever in our Discord or something, and I say something self deprecating, or James says something self deprecating, you're the first one up there. And like you're relatively quiet in the Discord, but it's it's like a moth to bright light. I won't you hear someone it. talking down about themselves. You're like, bitch, I no, you are great. You're beautiful. You're smart. Everyone loves you, and you're capable. Shut up and sit down. There's two things about this. One is, I don't think, I think you should speak to yourself the same way that you would speak to your best friend. If something goes wrong, uh, I, uh, uh, no, but I mean, like, okay. See my aforementioned conversation about Adam. (laughs) Okay, so, so Dan, say if I showed up here tonight, and I had a pretty good day, I told you about, but if I had a fucking awful day, if things went wrong, you wouldn't say, well, Terry, that's because you're shit at everything you do, and undoubtedly you're going to fail in your life. You'll, you'll let me, help me realize that there may be other things that I'm still a good person most of the time. <laughs> and then, you know, you'll help me yeah. along, right? Then the other thing is, misery likes company. And for some reason, nerds love sitting around talking about how fucking depressed they are all the time. And it's like they sit in a metaphorical room and we all talk about how sad we are. And nobody goes, hey, maybe things can be better. Maybe we all don't sit around and talk about how shit everything is. And we check, and we consciously try and help each other. And I'm sorry if that's what I'm trying to do. Oh, nothing to apologize for. <laughs> no, no apology needed. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on playable races. I'm Dan, and with me today are James and Terry, and this episode is called Dragonborn, Hooked on Draconics. Like Hooked on Phonics? Really? It's fun. Like Stereophonics, the band? No, like... Oh, Terry. Oh, you're so British right now. You're so British. In North America in the 90s, there was a thing called Hooked on Phonics, where it was like kids would go and use phonetical teaching. I don't even know if phonetical is a word. You're welcome, Adam. Phonetical. Um, uh, They would use phonetics to teach them how to read, right? Oh, yeah. Kids nowadays learn whole words. Really? That's the new method of teaching from what I understand. Pretty much. And it seems terrible. I mean, our kids, we've taught them through 
uh, phonetics a little bit as well to read, but like there were legit commercials on TV. You'd be watching Saturday morning car- cartoons and there would be this like spunky eight-year-old who would hop, hop onto the computer, onto the TV screen and be like, hooked on phonics worked for me. Right. And it was such <laughs> a like catchy little thing that like all of us as kids loved it. So yeah. that is what this title is a reference hooked to. On hooked, hooked on phonics. Hooked on phonics. Phonics sounds like a new drug. Kind of does. Hey? Words yeah. are a drug. You can find anything with them. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Good point. In our conversations about playable races in D&D 5e, we've covered every other playable race in the player's handbook except for today's topic. We've even covered those weird elven races like the Drow, Eldrin, Sea Elves, and Shadar Kai, as well as the bajillion types of humans of the Forgotten Realms. And some interesting alternative sub-races that are listed in some of the other books. You can find all of these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist called Off to the Races that we've built there. This episode, though, is going to focus on the different kinds of Dragonborn that is available in D&D 5e. So guys, just real quick, before we get into it, before we start formulating opinions, have you ever played a Dragonborn up until this point? Never. I have. You have? Sat next to James, actually. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, what, what what kind of Dragonborn? What class? I played, I played uh, Slight Skinner, the Dragonborn Druid. I think he was green, Dragonborn, I uh, black. Copper. No, definitely not. I you were Always chromatic. Always, yeah, always chromatic. Uh, always chromatic, really? Yeah, yeah. We're, we'll talk about that one later for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think he was... Green. He was green. I'm, green I'm pretty sure in the stories you've told about him, he was Druid. Green. Yeah. Yeah. I accidentally played Starscream. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Well, that's okay. My last so character was out. accidentally Jamaican. So, I mean, it, it works. That's fine. It, yeah. He was a great Irish dwarf. I played a silver dragonborn paladin named Rezu in our last campaign. Yeah. And I've had like six or seven dragonborn in my history playing. I usually end up playing a dragonborn barbarian because I like that feel of them. Um, but they are without a doubt one of my favorite races in the player's handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and also without a doubt are one of the weakest. And right. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. Feels like they shouldn't be though. They shouldn't be. They should be one of the most powerful. They are from dragon, yeah. so why would they be this yeah. lack because of Because their blood is so polluted, is the way I take it. Uh, except it's, it's not here. so far. Here, we're, we're going to get into it because they are not half dragons. Um, they have that mysterious background, but it's clearly stated that they're not the result of any horny bards given the green gown to some young red scaled barmaid. No, these aren't half dragons, but a fully created race, not unlike Warforged, who are intended to take the best traits of both dragons and humanoids and blend them together in a wondrous mixture of so they're not half dragons. They are a completely unique, fully formed, created as such race. They took too much human then. Which yeah. is another race I don't play. Yeah. I, 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 I love with, humans. I'm with, I, I love humans. I, I hate humans as a race. Oh, I, as I, I, can, uh, I understand them so much more. Like, I, I, I am a human. human. Why would I want to play one in my fantasy world? That's a great well, point. And that's really how I should be looking at it. Yeah. But anyways, so who were they created by is the great mystery. Either the gods or just some hyper-powerful dragons created Dragonborn. I, for one, think it's the gods because what dragon would want to taint their bloodline with humanoid blood is my thought. Mm. Right? So I think this is a separate race created by the gods. Now, because of that, and this reinforces the fact that probably the gods made them, is by the lore, technically, in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, this is where we get controversial right off the bat, 
They lack both wings and tails. Neither exist on the stock. Dragonborn don't have tails? Dragonborn don't have tails. Stock. stock PHB Dragonborn. Yeah. Feels wrong, doesn't it? It does. And, uh, it does feel wrong. Do they have like a human buttocks? I would assume yes. It's just scaly. I would assume they just have a lizard head and are covered in scales, similar to the creatures in Skyrim. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the scales are like very small, flexible scales. They point well, out. like a snake they're, skin, right? They're not broad dragon scales, yeah. like a like a horned lizard, right? Right they're, right. they're not. They're not something big like that. Now, for the tails, I personally see no reason why you can't just include them. However, I would say don't, because then you start to blend the line between dragonborn and lizard folk, which there should be more difference between them than just how their brains operate. Which, if the sec- second you give them both tails, the entire difference is breath weapon and uh, mental ability, right? Well- no, they still look different, though. They still look different, but for and them like all... a halfling looks different to a gnome, but arguably could be quite similar. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, you have you have distinct things that really draw them apart. Lizard folk speak draconic. Lizard folk mm. worship dragons, kind of like dragonborn do. Right? Um, dragonborn have this affinity to dragon kind. So do lizard folk. Both of them. So do kobolds. So do kobolds. have tails. So don't they just make them big kobolds at the very least if you give dragonborn tails. Exactly. And doesn't that affect some lore of some of the expanded books? Yes, it it, it really does. Um, I mean, wild mount not counted. We will talk about what is offered there later. There has been some expansion done because the the player's handbook dragonborn are incredibly weak. Compared to other races, right? Um, just mechanically. And we will be talking about the mechanics after we talk about some more of the flavor stuff. Imagine a player handbook with a player handbook. Player handbook Dragonborn with a player's handbook Ranger. You would be one of the weakest classes in the yeah. game. Like combinations in the game, for sure. Anyways, the main difference between a lizard folk and a Dragonborn, other than the tail, is their very distinct draconic heritage, mainly in their coloring. Now, you would suspect... That if you were to play a Dragonborn, you're going to play a green Dragonborn and your pure green scales, everything else. Or you're a copper Dragonborn and your pure copper. That is not actually the case when it comes to a lot of Dragonborn. The common Dragonborn, um, the common Dragonborn, their small flexible scales are more muddled. Um, a mixture of metallic and chromatic colorings. You'll see things like rusty colored or a copper green or a silver blue or a white with edgings of brass. However, there are some noble clans, um, and we'll talk more about the clans in a sec, that I do it all the fucking time. Yeah. So there are some more noble clans of Dragonborn, however, that have brighter, more defined colorings, like solid reds or golds or blues or bronzes. These clans tend to be more boastful and proud about their Draconic heritage as well, right? They'll, they'll be more outspoken about it. So speaking of clans, to Dragonborn, the clan is paramount to everything, including deific devotion dragonborns are an honor-based society and like other examples that we see like medieval england or imperial japan or even some tribes in eastern africa an individual's actions will will reflect on the clan uh, as a whole whether that's good or bad every single dragonborn knows its place in its clan and how to fulfill the duties of its individual place they as a race are driven to self-improvement and self-sufficient self-sufficiency They hate personal failure, seeing it as shameful, and will pursue perfection in their chosen path no matter what. They will often choose a skill to master, 
often becoming friends with masters from other races through this pursuit. So they're not as isolationist or as individual as a traditional dragon would be, but they seek to master these skills. And usually that thirst for knowledge or more improvement is what causes these clans to reach out to the other races. Okay. One more note about the clans. Dragonborn on an individual level, as I said before, strive for self-sufficiency. When they need help, they will turn to their clan first before going to any other outside source. If their clan cannot help them, they will seek the help from another Dragonborn clan next. If that doesn't work, only failure there will draw them to ask outside the clan, including the gods, for help. So so they'll ask another Dragonborn clan before they even like pray for help. Pretty much, yeah. If you want that hyper-practical, um, atheistic almost level of player character race, Dragonborn are it. They are um, very driven to perfection and self-improvement and all that other stuff. They're not going to be relying on faith to build themselves up. They're not going to be relying on faith for help. It's not a crutch to them. Now, you'll have clerics, you'll have ministers, you'll have that who are Dragonborn, but... Their faith is a very practical faith, right? It's not going to be a, you know, reveling in the uh, the mysteries of Paylor's light. It's not, there's going to be none of that, right? It's, it's my God serves this purpose for me for this reason, right? Um, and Dragonborn kind of set their own terms and just expect people to be okay with it, okay? They're a very, very noble race. Now, when it comes to their nobility and stuff, uh, you see this translated even more into their naming conventions. Dragonborn naming is also a source of some of that slight Eastern feel into the baseline of D&D, like we've seen with the shame and honor-based cultures. Their surnames always come first. Surnames are always followed by their given name, which is often given in their youth, not necessarily their birth, and often is either a term of endearment, a reference to an event, a simple nickname, or a nod to a habit. Okay? (laughs) So if you are... The Red Dragonborn Nose Picker. Guess what? That name's a very... You went with a better habit than I think both did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, a different kind, that's, a, that, that's a different kind of Dragonborn. <laughs> um, so following the given name would be any titles like giving our lawyers that Esquire thing. Um, or any sort of like note of education at the end. Or even Lord, King, Emperor, whatever that is. That would all go at the end. Now, if you want an example, my Dragonborn that Terry knows, and is the reason I think Adam sat this one out because he didn't want me to say the name. Right. Um, was Zephyric Rezu Dos Bahamaskari Ansiel. I remember you introducing this character and I already fucking hated him. As, yeah. soon, as, you said, as soon as he said the name, I just went, out oh, fucking yeah. this guy. Because I imagine meeting this person. This person, I would just go, how fucking up your own ass do you have to be to have a name like that? But the thing is, with Dragonborn, it completely makes sense. Let me break down the name because I actually, on. I actually did this with the name. His clan was the Sapphiric Clan, which was a clutch of pure silver, basically platinum Dragonborn. These guys were direct descendants from Bahama. Okay, um, his name was Rezu, which I took to mean um, the word stricken or scarred um, because he had a troubled past. I wrote like eighteen pages of. Oh, you did. You said did you do it? Yeah, uh, but like he had like. Because of his long life, he had uh, many wives that he would just outlive, <laughs> um, right? And and uh, he was committed to them during their life, but 
I mean, they lived to 80. He lived to be in his 400s. Oh, Rezu is a sugar daddy. Yeah, kind of. That's what... Because, you know, they say there's a little bit of us in all about D&D characters. Not in this case. You live vicariously through Rezu, weren't you? Uh, moving you on. We'll wolf. talk about your characters then. Yeah, yeah. Really what about your grave robber that always had a breath that smelt of Dale Coffee? that betrayed everyone at the drop of a hat. I know. I know. <laughs> It's like, I think it's because my fantasy is to live like the Purge or something. Okay. I mean, he did have a long-standing character that was married to a CrossFit chick, so... no. The dream. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, so Bahamaskari was a title, marking him as a chosen of Bahamut, and Doran Ciel was a mark of honor, him being the oldest known dragonborn in his region. So his name actually meant something. Eventually, he he became the Grand Warden of the city that our party was based out of, and... I legit got into a side conversation with um, Adam about where I could put the Grand Warden because it didn't make sense to throw on the back. So Rezu just conceded to the human way of doing things and it became Grand Warden Zephyr Rezu Bahamas. Even uh, though Bahamas Rezu Corey probably thought that was ass backwards. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he saw no point in it, but at the same time, human lives are fleeting and eventually this too shall pass. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. After he poisons the well, just like his wife. <laughs> he was a paladin. Like he, he was All as good as good. Suspiciously disappeared of yeah. old age. Uh, one guy. he straight up murdered. It is a thing that. I, but she, that's because she was an evil cultist of Tiamat. That's what he. She says. was twenty three. Her name was Candy, but she was really mature for her yeah. age. I love you guys. Anyways, so now you may think if you had a red dragonborn, the average human would run in fear, but that's not really the truth. Dragonborn, although rare, are common knowledge in the realms. So, a dragonborn with a traditionally evil dragon's coloring would just be seen with more caution than outright fear. Okay? That's something very important to take note of when it comes to how you're going to be flavoring um, your world's reactions to your dragonborn PC's DMs. Now, would this be people who are familiar with dragonborn? Because if you were a red dragonborn visiting somewhere where they are not familiar with Dragonborn, if a giant red dragon man showed up, I might still be afraid of that. Um, I, I think you would be wary, you'd be cautious, you'd keep your distance. Yeah. But that's that's caution. That's not straight up fear. Well, it depends on how that. often a beast race walks through. If Dragonborn right. are the only beast race and they're one in a hundred thousand, hell yeah, the whole town would be scared. Yeah. But if beast race just in general exists... And a dragonborn, though you've never seen one show up, you're going to assume it's a beast race. Right, right. Yeah. yeah you're right. Like, they are few and far between in terms of population percentages in the rest of the world. Um, so no matter what town you walk into, um, except for like a metropolis size thing, you will be taken note of walking in as a dragonborn. Okay. But I mean, if it's somewhere that you've never been before, could it would be understandable if I was playing the scene out and like the bartender is like shaking the cup. As they're, as they're, like, putting the ale down in front of the Dragonborn. <laughs> Terrified. Yeah, I mean, I could see it depending on what kind of uh, reaction, uh, what kind of uh, class, I would almost say, I'd say class would play, play yeah, into that as well. Yeah, even comes down like, to personality. A, a, a Dragonborn bard? Maybe not. Yeah. Right? A Dragonborn... Barbarian? Barbarian? Very or, much so. or, or warlock? Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 Like, a Dragonborn just, like, shrouded in like marks of Tiamat you're not you're, you know you're not in the tavern because you got arrested at the gate and are now well, you're in a fight at the gate they're not arresting that yeah they're, yeah. they're trying to murder they you. will try to murder you with <laughs> yeah. everything they have <laughs> so okay um, that's enough about the uh, 
I don't want to do fucking disclaimers. Moving on. We're going to move on to their stats. Uh, now, a Dragonborn is strong in both body and will. This translates mechanically to a plus two to strength and a plus one to charisma. And they live roughly, unless you have some weird story elements, which I had, they live roughly the same lifespan as a human, making it up to 80 years on advantage, uh, on average, but develop quickly, often walking hours after hatching, and yes, they do still hatch, and entering puberty around three years old before becoming fully formed adults at around 15 years of age. Dragonborns hatch? Yes. I thought half dragon hatched and dragonborn was live birth. No, no. There, there okay. are, there are, there are official rules for half dragons, but they're far less of a thing in fifth edition than they have been in previous editions. Okay. Questions about mating between the races here. In D&D. Between the races? Okay. Or, or dragonborn race? Yeah, yeah. Race. No, no, no. I, I mean, like, are you going to be asking how a dragonborn and a halfling hook up? Um, I would assume lube is involved. I was kidding. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, let's okay. Let's just easy to follow. Human, because their skin is kind of human. Dragonborn, call it a king, whatever. Sure, somebody's willing to put it by in. There's rules. Is there even a half race of human dragonborn in any of the materials there, that's the, not uh, homebrew or bonus? there? There are half dragons, not half dragonborn. Yeah, there are half dragons. Born, well, there'd be homebrew of it, but there's no official. Well, it's just the same thing. Like you don't have quarter elves, yeah. And you don't have quarter orcs, right? Like no, but that's not the same. You don't have half the. We're talking two complete races, a dragonborn. But dragonborn is supposedly a blended race of human. But what and I'm dragon. saying is, what I'm saying is, if, if a human and a dragonborn got together, I would say the result would be a dragonborn. Yeah, that comes out of an egg. That comes out of an egg. A half dragonborn comes out of an egg. Yes, I think it'd be full dragonborn because fifty percent of your DNA no, they'd be, comes... they, they would be full dragonborn. I would agree. Yeah. We're talking genetic-wise, 50% of your DNA comes from each parent. Right. So you would get your dragonborn DNA being split off yeah. and get human DNA added back in. Yeah. So you just be dragonborn... a different flavor of dragonborn with massively different facial features. Oh, you'd, oh, I'm saying you'd say, okay. Oh, I, I would so even, I would even say that. Human, I, would, I, play yeah, you'd be I would say the dragonborn genetic traits are dominant. Yes. Right? Um, far more so, like... There's no, there's no turning that down, is there? No. <laughs> right. Nobody's going, what is... Except for the tail. <laughs> well, I've, yeah. I've seen some character art of Dragonborn that are just like, they're basically Yuan-Ti pureblood, right? Yeah. They've got that, like, hint of uh, scale around the back of their neck, right, right. behind their ears. That's not what you're going to have with these guys. They are full on... But your kid's coming out of an egg, if you're a human. Yeah. Your kid's coming out of an egg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going Unless to be uncomfortable. The females are human, but as as no, I would say even up. still. So she uh, that wouldn't work. It does not work that way, dude. There's we're playing in a game. Some kinks out okay, there. okay. No one, three dudes arguing <laughs> about how something's getting born. Probably not the best convers- uh, Not the best experts on hey, the subject. I but I've seen birth. I have been firsthand. Well, not well, secondhand. I've been in the room when it's happened twice. Um, once to twins. <laughs> And I, I almost went, but you've got three kids now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and let me tell you, whether it's an egg or a, you know, arms, or sorry, whether it's an egg or it's a human live birth, it's uncomfortable no matter what. Oh, yes. Yeah. But I so, imagine. Okay. Let's not go I'm there just, anymore. Let's yeah. just leave it. Um, know what? Uh, write to us on the subreddit, r slash it's a mimic, and tell us what you think. What does the product of a horny bard and a dragonborn look or like? Or ask for Adam's opinion in the mailbag. Or ask for Adam's opinion in the mailbag. Yeah. Um, moving on. 
I'd like to note that Dragonborn are not the, um, um, sorry. I'd like to point out that Dragonborn are, um, creatures of extremes. And this is, uh, displayed in kind of where their alignments naturally sit as a race. They have um, that honor-based society, and all dragonborn tend to be creatures of extremes because of that. They're also very aware of the constant eternal war between Bahamut and Tiamat, and thus consciously, when they reach adulthood, pick a side, which will translate between good and evil. Okay? Now, this means you could have good red dragonborns that serve Bahamut. Losers. Or you could have evil silver dragonborn that serve Tiamat. Good and evil are matter of perspective. Right. Somebody's got to clean the bathroom. With, with what D&D has been doing recently, that that uh, fluctuating view on what is good and what is evil um, is really displayed in dragonborn. It's how my last two major characters I've played, that they are considered lawful good, but if you look at it from an outsider humanist perspective at least they are fucking evil plain straight up evil but from their point of view all their actions are for a cause that they believe is righteous and just Mm -hmm. so to them they are not committing any crime that's wrong they're doing what is necessary for their goal that's a good way to play it because that's especially these days, is everywhere. Where yeah. Everybody's idea of good is different. And yeah. everybody's it's always other, been, but we're finally doing? realizing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it gets really muddy. Now, like, for me, when I play my games, uh, alignment is fairly important. I, they are really doing away with alignment in 5e. We've seen with recent books where they're giving us monster stat blocks that straight up don't have the monster alignments in them. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I think that's one of the reasons why they're going in this, mm-hmm. is because there is more of a fluid. Just play the character if you want to play the character. Yeah. Um, both Adam and I hate this because having alignments and them being clearly defined, like the good evil spectrum being sanctity of life, law and chaos being order and uh, disorder or uh, um, anarchy, right? They're having clearly defined roles here helps us as DMs play them and to remove them. You're replacing... All the information you give out in two words, you're having to replace that in paragraphs of flavor text. Yeah, I think you can keep it done differently. Give the players the perspective of what good and evil is. Like if my DM said to me, a cleric of the Church of Bahamut is the one that will be raiding you. So then I would have to say, well, they would see me as lawful evil. But because it's from my personal perspective... Uh, see, here's the way to give everyone... Because everyone sees good and evil differently, too. I, I mean, yes, but you broke see, it down well because you said the sanctity of life. Well, and here's the thing, and like, and I think that and James and I, as like, just in our own philosophies as people, um, like, I believe in like, there's a straight up objective morality, right? Um, and with that objective morality comes clear definitions of this. You may disagree. That's fine. We're still friends. Mm-hmm. We can have discourse about it. But it's not now. But like, uh, I think when it comes to running D&D games, um, being more fluid with defined alignments helps. I use I use alignment because it provides direction yeah, for the yeah. character. So even alignment is something you can argue for hours and you don't need to do that. And we've had we've had a couple episodes on it. We don't want to waste time but on it. But it gives you as the player character, it gives you d- direction to follow. If you yeah. remove it, there's nothing to hold on to. 
whether it's one one player agrees with your definition of lawful evil or whatever, whatever, it's just it's direction for you to follow through as that character. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, so let's let's go from a philosophical argument <laughs> to to just something straight up defined. We could all understand numbers. We like numbers. Okay. Every single dragonborn will be taller than Terry. They are all uh, six Dad, feet and be... over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want it known to the world. Not 5'11 and three quarters, <laughs> but six feet and over. Averaging around I six and like a half feet. I wear those uh, chunky sole sneakers. So yeah, like... you're, you're always wearing Sketchers? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. always six. <laughs> I remember like work photos, you know, where like the taller people had to go to the back. I would always go to the back row and always get kicked to the next row down. <laughs> like, you're not over six. I'd be like, I'm fucking six, right? It's just because this guy... you start in the front row and they kick you to the back. And they work, work your way back. Yeah, yeah you go stand beside the shortest person. They're like, no, you're too tall. Get no, to the fucking back. No, I'd go stand next to six foot six yeah, basketball no, That's player. where you made your mistake. And, and see, we, we live in a society where um, there are all these TikTok videos and stuff of like, just like slowly lifting up that back, like the heel just yeah. enough to A, pop out your butt and two, seem two inches taller. Yeah. Like there are methods to give you that other Don't quarter inch. That's how Terry gets 5'11 and a half. <laughs> all those girls about anterior tilt are fucked. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so they also range from 300 pounds and greater. Um, when you come to an average dragonborn, these guys are big and heavy, even your scrawny ones. Okay. Um, now, when you are choosing a dragonborn, the next best thing, the thing you are choosing them the most for is now, and that is choosing your draconic ancestry. Now, this should reflect uh, majorly in your scale coloring, regardless of how muddled your particular cuddle- coloring may be. You're going to say cuddling, then. Uh, then. Yes. Um, now your chosen color will give you elemental resistance to the corresponding element and a breath weapon that will mimic a dragon's breath. Okay. Which is a big thing. So we're going to have to talk about that in a minute. I'm going to have to say that one disclaimer. It's just going to have to be in there. You could just leave that out. Just, that's a big thing. Dan hasn't followed any of the rules. No. My voice just broke over the internet as well. (laughs) So I'll look forward to that Say it again so you don't have to have that in there. Dan, Dan hasn't followed any of the rules. <laughs> um, so this would be the spot where we t- normally talk about dragon breath weapons, but seeing as they are a massive reason of why you play a dragonborn, we're going to break down those mechanics a little bit later. Finally, the last thing you get with dragonborn are um, your languages, common and draconic. And it says here specifically, draconic is seen as one of the oldest known languages with heavy application to the creation and study of magic. This means that your magical runes, in my opinion, are always in Draconic. I feel like either always in Draconic or derived from Draconic. And I also think you should be able to, with Draconic being one of the oldest languages, it would be a root language. So you should be able to pull other, not maybe full sentences, maybe not even like full uh, paragraphs, but the gist of some other languages together. Like you yeah. can with like, like romantic languages. English, Spanish, like when Italian. yeah, you're English and yeah. you listen to Dutch, you'll hear every like fourth or fifth word that you're like, I know exactly what that is. And when you're not paying attention and you hear like this background noise, you think you know what they're talking about. And as soon as you pay attention, you're like, I don't, but it's enough like English. So if you knew German as well, you'd be able to pick up more of the language. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like Draconic should be a root language like that. Um, a hundred percent, I agree. Dwarven should be, yeah. Elven should be, um, and Common shouldn't be. No, 
Common, although common, is not a root language. I it feel like amalgamated. most races already have common, yeah. and I think it's because it's amalgamated from so many other languages. In previous editions, I'm not sure if it's that way in 5th edition, but in previous editions, uh, Orcish was based off the Dwarven uh, um, script. Like, mm-hmm. their, their written script was based off Dwarvish because the Orcish language was always just spoken. There was no written form until they started to... Uh, interact more with their hated enemy dwarves and yeah. yes they had to pick up how to say their words with those letters right mm-hmm. so um, they could send them fuck you letters it's it's like honestly it's like in chinese in, in mandarin chinese um it's pinging i think it's uh it is the english letter written out version of the chinese words mm-hmm. right and and that's where you see like a million and a half of their different accents and whatnot that are on uh, the letters to be able to get the right inflection of how to say it, but you could read Chinese with a Western frame of mind, right? Um, because of that, you would have no idea what you're saying because you're going from a pictographic language to a uh, spoken primary language. So it, it's it's um, very very different. But I like to apply these kind of concepts into my D and D games, right? So draconic, you may not understand what the word means, even as a wizard. But you understand that this comes from the draconic, mm-hmm. and the because it comes from draconic, those runes carry power. Okay, right. So, um, we're gonna move on to grab some dice. Uh, I got a couple questions to ask. Ooh, green. So let's roll initiative, and then um, we'll go through the questions. One, three, fifteen, four. All right. Secretary. So, um, <laughs> name of my sex tape. First question I want to answer is what are things that players should be aware of uh, when playing, role playing a dragonborn? Okay. Um, this idea of the focus of the clans, I think, is a massive part of role playing a dragonborn. Um, this idea of self improvement and mastery of a singular skill, I think, is massive when it comes to playing a dragonborn. You need that level of focus. Note, nowhere in here is pride. Nowhere in here is lording yourself over the other races. You seek to become a master of your skill. You by no means consider yourselves better. Even though you're a dragon, you do not consider yourselves better than the rest of the races, right? They have other things to uh, give you and help you to reach mastery. So you're more than willing to go to them. But at the end of the day, you serve the clan and you have your role in the clan, be it as a blacksmith or whatever it is, and you will draw on their advice to help the clan and, and better yourself at the end of the day, right? right. Um, these are the most uh, clearly defined honor-based culture in D&D 5e, at, at least so far as the base BHB goes. So look at your feudal Japan to see exactly how a dragonborn clan would work. Right. Right? Uh, James? Um, well, I'm going to touch on what we were talking about earlier with, as you said, the number of dragonborn is usually fairly low, but I think that is something you should really take into consideration with your particular DM. Because I know some DMs who really like having dragonborn in the world, so they're relatively common. Yeah. So they have cl- as normal clans everywhere of their particular chromatic type. And that would lead into what class or player color you're playing and how they interact with the world. Because if a town is near a clan of Red Dragon, for example, and they have problems with them, you as a Red Dragonborn coming in 
will automatically cause problems. Oh, yeah, 100%. Or if they're really good to them and they love those dragonborn, you may be lofted above your allies, taken to the nicest room for free, given free food, given free items, but your allies are put to the wayside because they're not dragonborn. So taking a look into that and taking that into consideration mm-hmm. with your DM would be an interesting way too. Yeah, right. Terry? Um, the big one I want to put across here is you look like a fucking dragonborn. And I think this gets missed by DMs. Why is there no wanted posters in D&D anywhere ever? How oh, can, there is my games. How, well, that's brilliant. I love that, right? <laughs> yeah, because easily uh, recognizable characters game. should... I am all about that. And if you walk through a marketplace and you have not been stealthy at all, everybody saw you. Everybody saw you. So when you start doing the bad things and, and things go wrong and we do whatever and the people who look at... Everybody knows you. Everybody fucking knows you. And when you go up... Anything, any situation you go in, you're easily remembered. People may not fear you right away, but they will certainly remember you and they'll be cautious and you will be treated differently. Yeah. If you are a giant fucking dragon man. And uh, and not that there's anything wrong with that and you shouldn't be picked on in the, by wrong with that. I mean that you shouldn't be picked on within the game just because you're a dragonborn. But socially, it's going to change things for you. It's going to change things for you. Right from the beginning. And the more you lean into that, the more interesting the game is. Cool. So my thing is you look like a giant fucking dragon man. Remember that. Yeah. Um, what do you think would be the most problematic about playing a dragonborn in with using the standard lore here? For me, we already had a discussion about it. That topic of parentage. How exactly you came to be, I don't know. There are mentions of a lot of inbreeding when it comes to Dragonborn, and it not quite having the same effect that it does on the more common humanoid races. Um, I think it's pretty common for lizard-type yeah, creatures right? in our world anyway. So so I don't think there is a problem. Like, I don't think a Dragonborn would have a problem marrying his sister as much as we think that's gross, right? As long as his mother didn't marry her brother few times up well even then that's a that's a human issue is that we don't do that because everybody comes out with six toes and they go full joffrey but like you guys only have five toes (laughs) but the thing is like we've already mentioned the dragonborn are also incredibly rare yeah so you don't have clans of thousands you have clans of maybe tens right maybe dozens in the bigger clans right like it, it you don't have huge clans i they have a standard lifespan of 80 years, so they do procreate at about the same rate humans do. But there are far less of them, and there's a lot of interbreeding. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know what else to say in that regard. Like, problematic is if you dive too much into characters like, where exactly does he come from? Who are his mom and his dad? I don't think, I don't think parental relationships exist in Dragonborn clans. I think it is just you and then the rest of the clan. Mm -hmm. Those two are the ones that contributed to you. They are the ones who made you, but they are no more different than the shopkeeper and the innkeeper and the mayor and the one who cleans up the broken shells in the clutch. So it's kind of a collected, collective It's a collective. So they have a breeding season. All the eggs are laid on warm sand in one place. And then you have keepers. Yeah, people watch it. No one knows who's whose. It's just eggs. Right. And that's, that's the way, way I, I would run it. That's the way I would run it, too. Mm. What about you? What do you think are problematic with Dragonborn? Mechanically speaking, their stats. They yeah. just, they're too as base weak. Uh, I did want to talk about this really quick because you've just brought it up. What is the one thing you think is missing from Dragonborn? 
mechanically. A lot. Tail. <laughs> tail. What about dark vision? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. You don't really. No. Okay, this is a hot take. Why don't oh, you think? Oh god, you're lucky, Adams. Though. Once again, I think they're like li- most lizards and like desert dwelling lizards. So they hang out in warm sun all like as genetically way past. For example, they hung out on warm sun, warm rocks, and did their thing during the day. At night, they had to hide from the cold. They've since developed tools, fire, water, whatever, to be able to live in a normal society and not worry about night and day. But from origins, they had to worry about getting too cold. I, I get that. Um, my, my argument would be that it is very clear that dragonborn are made for all of the best traits of dragons and humans and put together. And I think humans tainted it too much, once again. Uh, yes, I honestly think they just... Because what are the best traits of humans? The body's not technically better than a dragon's body. The ability, the abilities the, the abilities are the best thing about them. The skills are pretty damn good about them. The versatility of a human is the best thing about them. Right? The ambition that they have is the best thing about a human. Now... As a species, maybe. They can do a lot as a species. I'm human talking beings, I'm talking in a few... Mo- in, a, in a view of Human beings are going to go down... Yes. Human beings are going to go down as... Quite remarkably, the most unsuccessful species that was ever on this planet, with regards to how long we were around, like until when we eventually all died. And you're talking about this planet. We're talking about five E. Yeah, because like humans, in, human humans in the real world are garbage. We're not talking we're about species either. We're talking about comparing human to a dragon. That's yeah. a general human at best level. What one two? But at we're not least... talking about PCs who are near gods by level ten. You have. Dragon dragons, which have dark vision, blind sense, tremor sense, whatever they have, like they they see you and are aware of you at all times, and that's mm-hmm. not even included the magical aspect of dragons, which is already from, missing in a lot of these dragon snap locks. And right? if they were taken from the best from both sides, all those abilities would have come over to the dragonborn, it, as those are better than human senses. I I completely agree, which is why it feels at the very least. Dark vision feels glaringly omitted for them. And and that's why at my table, I just give Dragonborn, all Dragonborn just get dark vision. I feel like it's a trick saying they're a dragon. They're lizard people. They're lizards and humans and no but, one knows but, the secrets. But the thing, <laughs> Very ignorant, James. <laughs> Very ignorant. <laughs> the fact that you could ch- choose a draconic ancestry with them leads me to believe that they're less lizard and more dragon. And that there is a difference between dragons. Right, I fully and, and agree. Getting I a breath, and getting a breath weapon feeds into that as well. Like it's having dark vision missing is just infuriating to me with these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry, anything else problematic about playing a dragonborn in Five E? I, I, I think they're going to run into similar challenges that elves should run into in that their characteristics and their beliefs and what they consider to be important in their society could run. You could run into the situation where that's going to bother the rest of the party. It's not going to line up. And these guys are so full of pride and they don't ask for help. That's There's a time when that's an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a time when, you know, there's a, I don't know if you guys know this, but I think it's something that per capita British people have the most amount of choking deaths in the world because we won't ask for help and we think it's terribly rude. And so we leave. <laughs> and so what That happens, is the most British yeah. stat I've no, no. ever heard. I've got a better one for you. There's too and much so salt happens, it. It's too spicy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we choke... We leave the room. We run away, and we go and die in the bathroom somewhere. Nobody knows. That's what we do because we can't. It seems rude to, to to bother people to ask people for help. I know the pride with Dragonborn is different, 
Uh, did you know in the UK it's uh, it's it's seen as particularly rude to die in somebody else's house? It's it's pre- if you know you, it's illegal to die in the House of Commons in the UK. It, uh, well, that doesn't surprise me. It is illegal to illegal die. Illegal to die in if the House of Commons. If you think you are dying, it's going to be a very the, short if, prison term. Yeah. <laughs> if you think you're dying in England, let's be honest, Scotland's probably different. In England, you are expected <laughs> you are expected to leave that person's house. Because they should not have to clean you up after. So if you have a heart attack, you have to go outside. Okay. Okay, that is the most British yeah. thing yeah, I've ever heard. That's like a <laughs> inconvenience, nan, for tea. Yeah. <laughs> but these guys, is a little bit different. It's it's more pride-based. Yeah. But the fact that they won't ask for help, the difficult situations that you can get in, and don't do that thing of, that's what my character would do, would make us all die. But it it's going to make for challenging interactions. Because mm. their I think their pride should get in the way of... Uh, of things sometimes. Well, then let me ask this. Does playing a Dragonborn interest you? For me, yes. They're one of my favorite races in the book. Even with Dark Vision missing, they're one of my favorite races. I feel like they're one of the most flavorful. They're one of the most um, unique, right? Like, mm. we, I've seen elves countless times. I've seen dwarves countless times. And I like elves and I like dwarves. Well, I like half elves. I like dwarves. Um, I love Dragonborn. Like, and they are, rel- I think they were introduced in fourth, right? Until, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But still, like, they're a relatively new playable race to the Dungeons and Dragons sphere, and I like them. I like their inclusion. I don't want to play them for a long campaign, because I can't turn it off. I'm still Big Red Dragon Man everywhere I go, and there's going to be times where it's like, I don't want to be Big Red Dra- Dragon Man today. Like, I, yeah. want to tur- I want to turn that off, you know? And uh, and I think after a while, I won't want to be kind of stuck in that skin, so to speak. I, I find that with a lot of the monstrous races, the bestial races, that yeah. I, I would agree with you that one. Like, um... I could never play a Leonin because I cannot get over the idea that I am constantly a lion man. And trying not to be lion. And trying not to be, well, one, yes, try not to be lion. But also. But like not as, because it's so obvious, right? For yeah, people right. So anytime or or a up, Disney character, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's one of the, like same with, um, if you're playing a Loxodon and you're not uh, being Babar, good on you, man. But it, but you, that means that you can't show that's a great, Babar is a great one because there's so many different characters in that show. You can't show the characteristics of any of them because all of a sudden you're Pompadour or yeah. something, right? So it's like, but it, it, you may just have a, a similar personality trait that shows up what, once a campaign. But or playing a, dis, uh, a distinct, unique Dragonborn, I feel is easy to do. Mm. Playing a unique, distinct Tiefling, easy to do. Playing a unique, distinct Fearbold is easy to do. Um, but when you start getting into these really, really animalistic bestial uh, races, me as a player, I have difficulty getting into the frame of mind of long-term campaign. Playing that dude for two sessions, oh, yeah, I'm on board. I could do that. Yeah. But like, I have troubles with tabaxi for this reason. Yeah. Right? And and they are, I would argue, more common at tables than Dragonborn. So, uh, I've always had at least one tabaxi at a table. Really? Yeah. Mm. Um. So, like, I mean, they're they're kind of OP. We'll they're talk about this. Super OP. What yeah. The fuck does OP mean? You Over- overpowered. Oh yeah. <laughs> I knew that. God damn it, Terry. Terry, yeah, Terry you are not allowed to uh, be pissed off at people for being nerds because you have been on a Dungeons and Dragons podcast <laughs> nearly weekly for nearly three years. It's like, I, but I'm on this place. It's like I got on the wrong bus and then I was here, and everyone was like, "He's the He's local guy." Yeah, nice most of the time. Just let him stay. <laughs> we gave a chat a book, and he learned how to read it. Exactly. <laughs> Did you hit record? Yeah. Go ahead. So, as some of you have noticed, obviously, Dan and I launched a bit of an informal side project where we go through one of the Dungeons & Dragons publications at a time, 
and determined the pros and cons and our overall thoughts. And the first one we did was Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. We went over almost every page, covering moderate spoilers for the adventure without giving the ending away. We covered things that interest players or may be useful to dungeon masters to get inspiration from. I always love going through the monsters and the items and the player options. I really enjoyed seeing all the different forms of the Frost Maiden and investigating everything about her frosty layer to her maiden head. Dan? What the fuck, man? I need you to take these commercials way more seriously. I show up every time with the utmost professional attitude. Ah! What? You? Professional? Yes. Professional what? Dick? At least I'm not an amateur dick. I don't... What? I... What? What? What is your problem? What's an amateur dick? Well, I don't know. Obviously, by definition, it's a dick that doesn't get paid. Does your dick normally get paid? I mean, it should. Well, I'm not sure that Canada's ready to reintroduce the penny, Adam. Go fuck yourself, Dan. <laughs> it should be getting paid in pounds, if you get what I mean. You can pound pounds. it on your own time. We're trying to record a commercial. Okay, anyway, Dick, we're going to periodically continue working our way through new releases as they come. Gross. As well as discussing some of the published material from Wizards of the Coast that has already hit the shelves. There's a lot of info out there for 5th edition, but not every DM or player knows which book to pick up next or what to expect from an adventure module. After all, there's some great additions to the library, and then there's, well, Rick and Morty versus D&D. This series is going to be sporadic and unscheduled, so keep your eyes out for these and let us know if you agree with our assessments. We hope that you'll be able to use the series as a guideline for which books deserve your attention for your own personal needs as a D&D player, but keep in mind that they're going to be full of moderate spoilers for the adventures, and they aren't meant to tear into specific mechanics or stat blocks. As we go on, you'll be able to find previous Legend Lore episodes in a playlist on our YouTube channel, or check out the episode guide to see what books we've already covered by looking at the post on r slash it's a mimic on Reddit. Now... Let's get back to the episode, shall we? Fuck, one of these days we're going to record a normal fucking commercial. I highly doubt it. Well, whose fault is that? Mostly yours. Disagree. So, I want to talk about the thing that we overlooked when it came to Dragonborn mechanically. Uh, because it's going to take a while to break down. This is their breath weapons. Now, breath weapons uh, in... 5e with Dragonborn. I've got some opinions about. I feel that they're kind of weak. Uh, you don't get them nearly enough. They don't pack nearly as big of a punch. And it doesn't matter what element you go with. However, there are going to be some that will be more or less effective as you go along. Now, um, we've got some interesting stats here that when it comes to uh, breath weapons, and I want to go over them here with you guys. Okay. Firstly, uh, dragon uh, for acid-damaging dragon breaths, we have both black and copper dragonborn. Okay? These are selections you'd make when you're choosing your uh, dragon ancestry. Both of them are 5 foot by 30 foot lines and require dexterity saves. Now, I do want to mention, when you are expelling a uh, dragon's breath, your breath attack, the DC for your saving throw is determined 8 plus your proficiency modifier plus your con modifier. Okay, that is what determines the DC. What's the whoever's getting stuck in this uh, attack is rolling is dependent on the type of breath, whether they are rolling dex or con. But the DC is set by your con, which adds another aspect of weakness to the Dragonborn because 
they have a mechanical necessity in their race that they're not getting a bonus to in their bonus stats. Yeah. Right? Because they get strength and charisma, and now they need better con for a better dragon breath. So do you buff up that con and then lose out somewhere else? Because how often do you need... I would have given plus two con, plus one charisma for Dragonborn. Makes sense. They're a hardy race. They're hardy. They don't necessarily have to be strong. You know, they're like when you're covered in scales like that, you're quite tough. Like if you have a jab, somebody two fingers in the ribs, it doesn't bother them. You do it to a dog. Are they like dragonborns more like snake skin as opposed to the, armored? No, but scales. they have. They, but they have. They have scales, all right. The like, thing. The thing about uh, dragonborn is they said that the uh, scales are, and the only mention we have in the player's handbook is that the scales are uh, small and sleek, right? So that sounds reptilian yeah. to me, right? Um, it's I the visuals of them though. They have like big hard, yeah. I mean, big hard bones. You then know? you look at their pictures look and at that skull. You think if you punch that skull, then it's going to bother it? That thing looks like the fucking predator. Yeah. For the audio medium, we're pointing at the uh, copper dragonborn wizard that is inside the dragonborn page in the player's handbook. Exactly. That but like good. that guy is neck frills, neck frills, everything. That guy right? looks like he's going to be bothered by hot sauce, for example. No. No. High constitution. I think she have a Well, I've always British. saw them as British, so he may be bothered with hot sauce. We are obsessed with dragons over there. Now, when it comes to the kind of creatures that are going to be resistant to the acid damage, we kind of looked at the Monster Manual, Volos, and Mordenkainen's, and we figured out that there are 30 types of creatures that are resistant to acid damage, and 24 types of creatures, mostly fiends, that are straight up immune to acid damage. Okay. As for cold damage, you have your silver or white dragon. These will produce a 15 foot cone of uh, area of effect for their attack, and it will be a constitution save to get through. So fuck you, rogues. You don't get evasion here. Okay. However, with cold damage. Matrix bend fireball anymore. Well, you can't matrix oh. bend being too cold yeah. anymore. Um, now, one of the downsides is. There are 103 different creatures who are resistant to cold damage in D&D 5e, and they're mostly fiends. However, on uh, who are immune to it, there are 28, and they are mostly undead and monstrosities. However, there are four that are vulnerable to cold damage, and those are mostly elementals. Okay? I have to not listen too much during this bit because this I don't like knowing this information when I choose characters because I choose characters based a lot on the flavor. This and is background. this is fairly min maxi. If you are playing for the but numbers, but it's going to affect my decision now. This is so information we're giving to everybody. Yeah, plug your ears we're if you don't like it. But like this is information that we think is relevant because who you, f- what type of dragonborn you build is going to affect your campaign drastically. Yeah, depending on what draconic ancestry. If you are playing Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, friends, I mean, the resistance to cold is nice, so roll a, uh, a white or a silver dragonborn, but your breath weapon's not going to do dilly jack shit, right? You're kinda, you kind of got to deal with both there, okay? Let's move from cold to hot. We'll do fire next. There are three types of dragons that breathe fire. They are the brass, the gold, and the, and the almighty red. Um, now, for the gold and the red, that is a 15-foot con-save cone for their breath attack. However, for the brass dragon, that is a 5-foot by 30-foot line. That is a dexterity save. Now, I do want to mention anything within that line is going to get hit. That is an area of effect. It is not just, you know, the person in the front's going to get hit and everything behind it's protected. No, you're all getting hit by this fire. Now, 
Now, when it comes to resistance, fire is one of the most resisted uh, elements in the game, just not as bad as cold. 83, mostly fiends, uh, creatures are resistant to fire damage, whereas 64 are immune. So just straight up immune. Those are also mostly fiends. However, there are 12, and they're mostly plants, because of course they are, that are vulnerable to fire. Okay, so if you're playing a romp through the jungles of Chult, consider playing a brass, a gold, or a red dragonborn. Now, as for lightning damage, there are blue and bronze dragonborn. Now, um, both of these are 5 foot by 30 foot lines that require dexterity saves, so your rogues are probably going to be fine. Um, as for creatures that are resistant, there are 81 mostly fiends that are resistant to lightning damage, 26 that are immune and no vulnerable, no vulnerable creatures to lightning damage. Finally, the one last unique kind of dragonborn are the greens. Green dragonborns have a poison breath. Not an acid, but a poison breath. That is a 15-foot cone that is also a con save. There are six creatures that are resistant to this, and they're fiends and Durgar. There are 191 creatures that are immune to it. Thank you, poison damage. You're useless. Yeah. So um, what do we do? Even however, I wouldn't play that character. However, there <laughs> are zero that are vulnerable to it. So, guys, I gotta ask. Let's let's uh, roll dice on this one um, real quick. Let's ask a couple questions about this. Eleven. One. Seven. Okay. Now, Terry, Hello. knowing what kind of cones they are, what kind of damage they, they do, um, I should mention real quick, because we didn't cover it earlier, at first level, when you roll the Dragonborn, you get 2d6 damage. Right. That increases by 1d6 at 6th level, 11th level, and 16th level. Right. Up to a max of 5d6. And you can only do it once per short rest. Mm. Okay? That in mind... Um, do you think that the scaling of a breath weapon is powerful enough considering how much the rest of the bonuses don't stack up? No. It's nowhere no. near powerful enough. No. Especially this, with the resistance. Yeah, this is a dragon's burp. Yes. Right? And, and and how long are you attracted to this for? Because remember, you can you can get more powerful similar weapons, as in like cold, lightning, whatever, from from different means in D&D. So how long am I holding on to this for? After level three, I'm like, no, I'm good. I have other things now. You are a level three dragonborn, and you cast burning hands at second level. You are more powerful with that spell than you are with your breath weapon. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's dumb. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 ridiculous, and the way that we, it costs an action, right? It costs an action to do as well. And even so, it's so low power. But you could say your argument could be, well, you know, well, if you use the cone or the line, you can hit multiple enemies. Yeah, but that's not that's not tactical because when we think action economy, we're trying to remove people from the battlefield. You know, so me hitting five people a little bit isn't helping anybody. Well, uh, the thing is, if you're in a situation where you could hit five people in a line or six people in a line with your breath weapon, cool. Your DM is not playing smart. No. Right? And, and it's hallways, right? That's where it's happening. It's right? hallways. Yeah. Exactly. That is, that is you're, you're completely correct. However, at the same time, nine times out of ten, you're not fighting in hallways. Nine times, well, I mean, you might be. You might be doing a lot of dungeon delves and that's when it's useful. But if you're on the open, you're screwed. Yeah. Right? And, and if you're getting surrounded, you're screwed. You hit one of them. And if you're playing any type of intelligent enemy, they would know to spread. That's like basic military training. Don't bunch up because when the grenade goes off, you're fucked. Like, it's 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 spread out a little bit. T- now, how many times have thrown fireball into a group, though? They all know it exists. They all know it's coming. But fireball is always bigger than you think. But as the DM, if you're playing, if you're playing, okay, so if it's like a lot of hobgoblin in a hallway, that's a perfect example. They're going to know not to bunch you up. 
you know, humans naturally we bunch up when we're afraid anyway. But um, but for for different types of creatures that we have, it's just going to be strategic for the DM and perfectly reasonable for them to spread people out. So it's not enough damage to only a few, two or three car- um, creatures to look at it. Ain't nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, James, what do you think? Uh, I fully agree. It's not strong enough, but once again, that's why, as we have this list, I would even encourage mid-maxing out on Dragonborn. Yeah. To get those few extra hit points out that you're going to get. Like, if you're in Strahd or Avernus, pay attention to what flavor of Dragonborn you have. Yeah. Because you want your damage to do something. Yeah. Um, Would you... We're all DMs here. We all have a loose concept, uh, at the very least, of homebrew. How would you make this more fair for your Dragonborn players? Reaction. You'd make it a reaction. I'd give it to them as a reaction. And on a short rest. It's yeah. still short rest. So short rest to re-get it back? I thought it was long rest. No, short rest to get it back. Okay, then yeah, just a reaction. Yeah. I would I would give it a bonus action to do it. Reaction seems a bit too quick to drop uh, it. I, I, like I like it because I would use it like Hellish Rebuke. Yeah. I'd use it in that style. You When someone, especially as a caster, which I've, most of the Dragonborns I've seen played are casters. Yeah. So getting someone coming up, hitting you to be able to hit them with a breath weapon as they it's, run away. And it's so weird because they get that plus two to strength. Yeah. Like, you're playing them casters, sure. Okay. And it, it's a it's a weapon that makes perfect sense. I shouldn't say weapon because it's weapon weapons. I mean, it's a tool that you can use that makes perfect sense for somebody who's like, um, who didn't disengage, you know, yeah. who's running past you. So that makes perfect sense mm-hmm. to hit them with your breath weapon. Um, personally, I would make it a bonus action, not a reaction, but I would give it more uses in a day. Um, give it, and we've seen this in some later products that are now coming out. We've seen this in Tasha's with a couple of subclasses. Give it proficiency modifier times a day. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? That way, you're doing this type of damage, and by max level, you're giving it six times a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You're max level. Go nuts. Yeah. Right? Your baseline dragon gets to re-roll this on a five or six. But even... but You as a level 20 dragonborn paladin still has to take a short hour-long nap before you can breathe on something again. It's bonkers to me. It needs more uses. I agree with you on the more uses, absolutely. But what's the point of more uses if it's not attractive to use anyway? That that's the why you put it is, as a bonus action. The problem is not yeah. I, that's the part that I agree more with for sure because and and that needs to be part of the agreement with more uses, right? right. Because right now you know you can say we can use it five times a day. I'm like, well, I'm not using it once a day. So I well, I, I mean, it does kind of compare to some other races getting their magical traits. Like you see some tiefling getting hellish rebuke, right? Right. They get that once a day or whatever yeah. it is. Um, okay, fine. But tiefling also get, you know, all of these resistances. They get all these spells. They get they get all of these um, other aspects to them that buff them up better. They get dark vision. Um, motherfucking dark vision. Like, I, I think I, too many classes have dark, races of dark ra- Too many races. Yes, I agree with you. But there are races in this game that have dark vision that I don't feel should. Half-elves should not have dark vision. What about... If you're going to argue half-dragonborn who are amalgamation of dragon and human should, I would argue that then half-elves should as well. Okay, so you are equating elves and dragons. I'm creating an ancient species with a mundane species. Which is enough of a difference in my mind where a half-elf who is far closer to a human, would not get dark vision. Are they, though? But, but just because they're bipedal and look the same doesn't mean they're but they all are. genetically they, they, the same. They get, the, they get the same level of versatility in terms of skill. Like, they get that skill versatility. They get that ASI level of versatility. Like Does that just come from being bipedal and an advanced race? 
No, it comes from being part human, part elf. What about to throw to throw a wrench in the works here? What about taking inspiration from something like the Wild Magic Table, where there's a chance where it could become more powerful, or something a little strange could happen, or taking inspiration from I wasn't going to say the Wild Magic Table. I was going to say something else that slipped my mind now. The well, sorcery points. Uh, no, uh, the the new things that you can do with Eldritch Blast, where you can push invocations, people, invocations. Yeah, you can no. push people, pull people, do some things like that. No, I like that. In fact, I would like to see the Metallic Dragonborn being able to do the Metallic options for other types of breaths, mm-hmm. like putting people to sleep or yeah, uh, stunning them or paral- uh, paralyzing them or whatever that is. Right. So seems so obvious. It seems obvious, Wizards. and it seems missed on a race that, in terms of lore, they did their work on. Yeah. These guys are great. But mechanically, they're just kind of bad. The breath weapon should be like as you, as you wizards. Okay, okay, all the nerds are here. Great, brilliant, everyone. We have the agenda. Okay, number one item on the agenda for Dragonborn should be breath weapon. That should be number one, week one, day one. We're creating Dragonborn. Let's talk about the breath. Now, I have yeah. a funny feeling it was number one, and they made it fireball or hellish lake or some extremely powerful spell strong. Finished the rest of everything else and looked at it again and be like, oh, they're way too strong. Dummied it down. And that's yeah. why the whole class is dummied down. Perkins grabs had, out his, his nerf bat and just, yeah, just beating the shit out of back Dragonborn. Down. Yeah. Because that's why the rest of Dragonborn probably is not that strong because they no. had a powerful ability before. Well, let's talk about power for a second. Uh, lines versus cones. Terry. Lines versus cones. Is Which a, is the better one? Is this like a cocaine like reference? No, it's not a cocaine. <laughs> Do you think the lines are a better attack or the cones are a better attack? Lines, lines, lines. Uh, Not cocaine, okay. Terry. Uh, um, I prefer lines. So breath we hear it, it's a mimic. Do not condone the use of any sort of recreational. No, we do. It, it, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> They're going to think we do out of them so much. Um, yeah, probably. We don't. It's COVID. We don't encourage uh, anything illegal. Illegal. Yes, there we go. Lines. Remember, crimes only if you get caught. Hey, 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 hey. Lines. <laughs> lines. Because of my style of sound like an actor, I feel lines. What's the line? What is the line? Um, because of my style of play, the the distance advantage that comes with the line, I think, will be more useful to me. Okay, James. Mechanically, cones because it's easier to hit a larger group of people because people rarely line up. But lore wise, and how I think Dragonborn should be, just about everything should be lines, except for acid and poison. Yeah, um, those are liquids. I, I agree with you with that one. Um, however, mechanically powerful, the cones are going to win out. Mm-hmm. Um, they they do the same amount of people, um, and it's that con save. So it's I'm, easier to hit people in a cone. Too. Anything right. yeah. that takes power away from a rogue, I'm on board with. Yeah. So um, fuck you, rogues. Yeah. Cones. Yeah. Right, because it's a con save. Yeah. You're not evading that. No. Okay. Um. Let's talk about uh, selecting your types of dragons and whether or not the type of dragon you choose impacts your character flavor. You mentioned this earlier that the different types of dragon you have should probably have some sort of effect on how you're playing your character. Now, there are um, 10 options when it comes to dragonborn selections. You could be either a red, blue, green, black, white if you're chromatic. Or you could be gold, bronze, brass, silver, or copper if you're metallic. Now, on the chromatic side, red dragons are often prideful and aggressive, but also relatively socially inept and vain, as well as severe loners. They don't want anybody, anything, anywhere around them. 
Blue dragon bo- uh, blue dragons, on the other hand, are vain and extremely territorial, but don't like to get their hands dirty, and will hire or live peacefully near other humanoid settlements, so long as they pay proper homage. Okay? Green dragons are conniving and master manipulators, reveling in the corruption of others, whereas black dragons are cruel, sadistic, and thoroughly evil. Right? Um, white dragons are the most bestial of any dragon, they are wild, feral hunters, and also the most territorial of all dragons. They have their hunting grounds, and if you're there, you're food, okay? As for metallics, your gold dragons are graceful and wise, but also reserved and relentless in their sense of justice. And I want to stress their sense of justice. Doesn't align with your average Joe Blow grew up on a farm, um, and your parents died, and now you're an orphan, and you're seeking to be a human level of adventurer. Your sense of justice and goodness does not compare to what a gold dragonborn's view is. Okay? Listen to our gold dragon episode. You'll get it. Bronze dragons are fierce protectors of humanoids, loving their culture, and are basically the anthropologists of dragonkind. Um, brass dragons are the bards of dragonkind. They're the ones who want to talk. They are the most talkative of all dragons, but also the physically weakest. Dragon uh, Brass dragons uh, sought knowledge and family more than anything else. They are your Fast and Furious um, family of dragons. Oh, family family first. Families first. Nothing stronger than family. Nothing stronger than family. Beat a trash. <laughs> um, silver dragonborns are the best of dragons. Yeah, the best of all dragons. That's the note I got here. It says the best of all dragons. Right. <laughs> um, but specifically, they're the best of metallic dragons. They're good and wise and kind. Um, where golds are more about law than good, silvers are more good than law, seeking to eradicate those that would harm the innocent. God damn, I fucking, fucking love silver dragons. So, the other day, I was walking my dog. <laughs> I, got to I got one more dragon to go I tell side story. Just one more. I tell, I got, I got, okay, you can, no, I'm fucking doing this. Okay. I was walking my dog, right? And I go to this school in Maple Ridge, Big Field, there's a basketball court there. It's not a euphemism walking your dog? Youths. There was some youths there, and uh, and one of them, he was seventeen. He climbed the basketball hoop up the back and kind of hung off, did a couple of pull-ups or whatever, and dropped down. So he's got a seventeen-year-old body, can do what he wants. That's totally fine. And I heard woman, just hearing that story. There was a woman walking her what I would call a shit dog, which is a dog that can't survive on its own. Would was walk, and I could see her. She was looking. She was doing that like hobbling thing, like she's literally never taken care of herself a day in her life. And what? And I was like, and I knew, I knew she was gonna say something. to These kids. I knew she. And she goes over. She's like, "Excuse me, you shouldn't be climbing that." And I thought of Silver Dragons as soon as she did it because I'm really? nerdy as well. I'm nerdy. I'm walking around thinking about the podcast, and you're always like prepping. No, no, no. Like I'm, not, I'm not. That's not the part that amazed me. It's the fact that you thought that someone doing that is a good dragonborn. It's or sorry, it's a no, silver dragon. Hundred percent. A Karen because, would be a silver she's dragon. St- I know she's following her sense of justice. That, no, a Karen is a gold dragon. It's a gold, sir. So, yeah. She's just we call it in the UK we say sticking your R in. Sticking your R in. And I just thought he's fucking seventeen. He climbed a basketball hoop that's literally made out of solid metal. It can't break. It's totally fine. And you have to walk over there looking like you've never taken care of yourself a fucking day in your life and then start whining at these guys. And and I was just like just Fuck off! And it, it made me think of Silver Dragon because I Silver Dragons because I was when I was walking with my headphones I was prepping okay, some yeah. D and D stuff in my head. Anyway, edit that out. No, keep it in. Um, hate, hate <laughs> them. Well, my least favorite kind are the Copper Dragons, which are your prankster dragons. Uh, they're physically unimpressive comparatively to the other dragons, 
but copper dragons would rather play tricks to annoy and frustrate foes uh, to their breaking points before ever engaging in combat. Okay? So, guys, um, using the same initiative order we had earlier, um, how much would you tie a dragon's personality to a dragonborn NPC? James? Tie a silver dragon to a train. Um, I would have it more of a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of idea. So for, we'll use the uh, brass dragon as an example, which are more, they seek after knowledge and they want to learn things and know more. So that stereotype on brass dragons would be imposed on brass dragonborn and they themselves, whether they actually want to go seek out knowledge, want to get new information, are curators of libraries more often. Okay. They gather more information than other dragonborn. Whether they want to or not, they are fulfilling the prophecy that they themselves think is opposed on them. Well, we, we had that idea of clans, right? Yeah. Like a brass dragonborn clan would, would be seek knowledge. Scholars. Whether they yeah. truly want to, any of them truly want to seek knowledge, that's neither here nor there. That's just what brass dragonborn do. Mm. Cool. Terry? Yeah, similar to that. I think I would take. Uh, I think because there's so few of them and they're around a lot of other races a lot. It's not like dragons where they, they are their own world, essentially. Yeah. That they would def- it would just be flavor into how they interact with others. So maybe they wouldn't be necessarily arrogant. They would be more competitive, you know. Wait, I, I, I don't know. I think a red dragonborn would cross that line. A red dragonborn would come off as incredibly conceited. In yeah. a group setting, I think. Yeah. I think and, when and they I think... are in their clan or there's a bunch of them, yeah, they'll come off as conceited, as would brass dragons come across as knowledgeable. But when they're on a one-on-one personal situation, they revert to who they truly are, which yes. doesn't yes. have to follow the guise of the group. I think oh, you might be able to say Then it just falls that. into human psychology, because yep. people will do things that they would never normally do when they're in a group of people. So all the dragonborn think every other dragonborn that's brass wants knowledge. So just because I don't, I'm weird. So I'm going to keep quiet about that and seek knowledge with them. And everyone can feel that way, but no one's sharing it. Really? Um, it's I, the counselor over here. Well, no, I asked this. You actually made me think of a question. Would a dragonborn um, NPC, let's just say NPC right now, not necessarily PC. Apply this to your PCs if you want. But an, a dragonborn NPC, would they act differently if they saw specifically another dragonborn in a crowd, would they act differently in that situation as opposed to... Like, on, yes. like on Greece, where Danny Zuko doesn't act the same when he's with his exactly. friends. Exactly. Yes. A night and day difference that you would see instantly. You'd be walking around, especially with a P... Well, NPC. And then, and then like... The NPC would be walking normally, and then all of a sudden, back arches. The, they put their chest out. They act more proud, more They start arrogant, more for whatever. And especially... <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they see the other dragonborn races below them, they'll make sure to pass by them looking lofty and stronger. This. And you've got to put that into character as well. So the and just don't tell anybody it's gonna happen. Just start doing it when another dragonborn NPC comes yeah, in. So the rest of the party is like when they leave the rest of the party is like, what, what was that? What, what, yeah. yeah. What was what? <laughs> you've literally never said and that. And if I was ever. a DM running that NPC, I would give them advantage on charisma rolls, on persuasion. Or, or disadvantage depending Depen- on de- well yeah. yeah depending on who they're going against and what but it's, especially when they get arrogant especially for a gold dragon or one of the more arrogant dragons yeah. they get advantage because they think they're that good they get to be that good so for pcs would you do the same thing then 
Like we said for NPCs, mm-hmm. for PCs, would you tie Depending. these the, these draconic traits, these like a red's arrogance, a gold sense of justice, a copper's prankster attitude? Would you put that into your or try to enforce that, enforce that to your player characters? I would not enforce it to my player characters. I would tell them that's how the world worked in private so they can choose to follow that. And they, it can be the reason why they left their clan. They're the ones that said, you know what? No, fuck it. I don't like seeking knowledge. I'm going out to go beat shit up. That's what I want to do. So they're no longer part of their clan, which is the reason they're adventuring. So you can give them the hook to adventure. And depending on with role play and the advantage, disadvantage, depending on the player, I would give it to them. Oh. I have a few players who are, would handle that well. And I have ones that will just abuse it. No, they, they know they have it. Oh man, no, I, I, I love Dragonborn so much, but I also love feudal Japanese culture um, so much. So like I'm sitting here like... You're essentially making a Ronin. You're making a Ronin, right? Yes. You're just, you're separating yourself. And then yes. once you, as a Ronin, are uh, approached by a member of the nobility or of, of the imperial order or of any sort of samurai order, you, even as a Ronin, you still have rules you have to follow. Mm-hmm. Right. And playing that brass dragonborn who's just like, fuck it. I don't, I just want to be stuff up. I don't want to read books. I don't want to be like, I don't care about my family. And then you're approached by like the head of your clan or That's another. Difficult. Yeah. Right. Challenging. Like now you've got to stand up straight or you still have to, like, I would make it a thing in, in uh dragonborn culture where you address a dragonborn by their full name and proper order. I would follow more like as Japan does. The older they are than you, or the more important they are above you, yes. the more respect you put on it. But if they're below you, yeah, I'm a hundred. You don't have to worry about it. You can be as disrespectful as you want. It's common practice to use last and first name, but most people younger just get their last name because cool. your first name doesn't matter to me, but your family clan name matters to me, and that's all you get to be identified as. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. Um... I think I'd get too triggered. Like, real life, Terry would get sucked into the character there. That's, that's, the, that's, that's, that's the point. That's, a, that's the point. You want yeah. to get sucked into the like, character. I'm this playing, is Dungeons and Dragons. No, I would. No, I'm saying. Yeah. But I, it would it would stress me is, is probably a nice yeah. way of saying it. I'm say, playing yeah. a tiefling, and my DM asked me. He's like, normally in my world, tieflings are, as he put it, and I agreed with him because he was trying to find nice words to say it, but treated as black people are in America. So sometimes not always good. Are you okay with that in my world? If you don't want it, you don't have it, and we can drop it, but that's how I normally play. I'm like, oh, 100% fine with that. He's like, you sure you're not going to get mad? I'm like, no, because I want... That was like even thought for this character. Yeah. It's a normal, human, very human world, a few beast race, a few tieflings. Or, yeah, no, tabaxi, those are the ones. Yeah, yeah, there we go. And I'm like, well, no, I would rather be... You look like a devil. Of course you're going to be put out. Yeah, and that's been the playoff I've used throughout that campaign, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, and it, I mean, I can find I for me when I'm playing a character that has to deal with some of the struggles I deal with in my day to day life, the the I find it kind of cathartic. Yeah, right. Like I played a character who struggled with you know the fact that he was a shitty dad, and sometimes I feel like I'm a shitty dad. So like. Um, Dan, the fact that I, you worry about being a shitty dad means, means you're I'm one not, of the good ones. I know, ones. I know, I know. If you start talking but, down about yourself, we'll <laughs> see, I told you, I told you, I won't have it. I won't have it. We should just give Terry an hour. We'll give him comments of us being self-deprecating just and let Terry <laughs> to yell into Britney the mic Spears for an hour. Slash Tony Robbins style microphone. Yeah. Just give me a 2019 Uncle Terry was about like weird sexual positions and and like the most grotesque <laughs> thing you, <out. laughs> you could do. 
2021 Terry is about self-improvement and uh, self-esteem boost. No, I'm trying and... to, I was always about my own self-improvement. You know, I was always, now you're just I in was everybody else killing it. Now I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not, about, I'm not like self-improvement, like going around going, no, just believe, achieve, fucking whatever, all that bullshit. All those like, I call them granola quotes that yeah. go on Instagram. It's like, and you know, the person that posted that quote does not live by that advice. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, I'm not like that. I'm just like, don't talk bad about yourself. Well, uh, for how you are, Terry, what Dragonborn uh, uh, heritage, which Dragonborn ancestry appeals to you the most mm. to play as a player? If you were to choose one of the ten, which would you choose? Uh, green. Because I wouldn't go full like green dragon, like scheming and conniving. I would play it more as strategic and very aware of situations. Especially the fact that your breath weapon is basically useless. So slight. Well, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I'm not planning on using a breath weapon much anyway. But I'm saying for their personality, that's what I go with because I think it would be. I've always wanted to be very, very strategic, but I get tunnel vision on some things, and so I can't think necessarily nine moves ahead. And people will be laughing at you. Oh, Terry's an idiot. Guarantee I'm fucking killing it. So don't worry. <laughs> but I just say that that's because when you when we play D and D, we kind of. We play the superhero that we want to be, and that's what I want to be, is the master strategist. Cool. James? I'd probably do silver, because it's the opposite of my play style. Okay. I Does it appeal to you mechanically as well, with the cold damage, or...? Eh, not really. Dragonborns generally don't appeal to me. No. I'm interested in the gemstone dragon. That's an interesting one. Yeah. But yeah, overall, Dragonborns... I would do silver, just because it would give me a different way of play. Okay. Um, for me, honestly, I, I want to play a, I want to play chromatic Dragonborn. I played the metallic with Rezu. I want to play a chromatic, struggling to uh, make sense of his parentage. Right, like a, I, I think blue is the one that appeals to me the most right now. Um, maybe a, uh, maybe a red Dragonborn. I mean, it, it's fairly cookie cutter, but I, that's I why like I like the gemstone why dragon. Red. What is red? Why red? Why does red? Yeah. Uh, I, as Dan, um, and Terry, you know this, uh, don't handle vanity well. Um, like your own vanity or someone else's? My own, well, yes, both. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a, it's a very weird statement to say, but I'm not a vain person, right? Like I, I don't, uh, I don't know how to project that. So like having a you don't know how to project that you're not vain no how to project that i i am vain so like i would challenge myself to play a red dragon born because this would be the conceited arrogant uh character um who is trying to make sense and of course i'd play him good because i don't like playing evil characters typically but the when does self-worth become vanity to you when does it cross that line i have, I have no idea no idea fairly early it's a, that that and line what, is fairly early. And on what in my things mind. do you think you can be vain in? Like if you're really you're a musician, you're really good at playing uh, bass, right? Yeah, with your yeah. instrument. But when does that become vanity? Where somebody's like, okay, shut the fuck up, Dan. That's uh, what I'm saying. Like, is is does can you be vain in that talent? I am. I am self defeating in almost everything I do. So I I don't like I. You said uh, we said earlier. Um, that, you know, I kind of suffer from imposter syndrome sometimes. That's one of the reasons, right? Like it's, it's, um, I always feel like I could do better. So because I know I could do better, why would I tout what I am currently doing? Because it that, could get better. I move the goalpost as well. So yeah, I would be like, I need to get 
as a new school, for example, I need to read three chapters to be right. satisfied with the homework I've done. Right, right. I will get to the end of the third chapter and still know I have chapter five, six, and seven to yeah. go, plus another assignment. So my goalpost is now five, six, and seven and another assignment. I never finished the first goal because I changed it at the very end. Yeah. So you're always reaching for a new goal and you never feel like you've accomplished you anything. You get fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's let's talk about moving the goalpost for better and improvement and better improved versions of things, and let's talk about the two new forms of Dragonborn we have from Wildmount. Both of you have uh, options with the Dracon Blood and the Ravenite, so I want the two of you to roll off and let's break down these. Uh, Your segue is fantastic. Trying. I want you to try more publicly, and then I'll <laughs> show everybody that you're good at that. I got nine. I got six. All right, Terry. Yeah, I got uh, Draken Blood. Draken Blood, I suppose. Draken Blood, yeah. Is how you would say it. Oh, I was gee. worried that everybody would be like, it's Draken Blood, but whatever. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> so a little bit of the lore of Draken Blood then, because I I don't know too much about all of that. It's critical. That's the, the Exandria. I've watched Critical Role in a couple of years. Me and, yes. the, yeah. me and the personalities on Critical Role were not gelling with each other. It's so. a good campaign setting, though. It is. It's a nice big world. If you took Taldore and you took Wildmount, those two books that are out, right? Wildmount is far more fleshed out than Taldore. Really? Is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But the Dragon Blood were were slave masters then. Yes. So known for their their intellect and their um their uh, their gem like skills, I guess in their in their in their flesh. I'll remember how to speak in a second. But they were slave masters over the Ravenites. Yeah. Ravenites, which is going to be yours. And they lived in um like an elevated cityscape is what yeah, I, is what yeah. I is what Draconia, I, I believe is what it's called right, right. And, and they were like the overlords of of uh, the Ravenites that were below them and they were their slave masters and then after the Chroma Conclave came along and uh, and and decimated their home space which I do remember from Critical Role uh, that's when they were removed from that position and then yeah. they essentially had to flee and seek asylum elsewhere. Um, and uh, and kind of try and rebuild their life. Their entire culture got scattered after the Chroma Conclave destroyed Draconia. So, Draconia. so yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, do the Draken Blood have tails? So, Draken uh, Bloods do, Ravenites don't for tails, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. it seems to be. And so, this is interesting because it's so strong in their pride and their background, their lore. It's like, how do you play this? Do you play this as. Um, like a learned trait, do they learn this sort of elitism that they have, or is it just inherent in them that they believe themselves that they should be naturally should be the overlords of these people? As I go home, and the relationship between my dog and I is that I am in charge. We we because I should be, you know. Yeah, um, yeah but your people thought that before too. Who's my people, James? Fred. What do we do? You tell me what they did hundreds of years ago. What do you, what do you mean, you people? Because <laughs> we could do this all day. Okay, we're still not cool with the Germans either. And to be honest, I've got some beef with the fucking Danes the amount of times they raided my shores in the northeast of England. So we'll do this all day. So the Draken Blood. Okay. <laughs> we're going over time. We need to start moving okay. along. Okay. So the Draken Blood, Terry. Yeah. That's it. That's their background. That's who they are. All right, cool. Yeah. What, what about their stats? What do they offer to us mechanically? Okay, there's a couple of variants. So you can allow a player to choose uh, one of these two variants here. So uh, you can have the Dragon Blood variant, which means that you will uh, get an ability score increase in that your intelligence score will increase by two and your charisma score will increase by one. That's to replace your other 
so you normal get, dragonborn ones. yeah the, these are completely new variants they're going to replace pretty much everything you yeah. got so like instead of plus two strength you're getting the plus two int. right yeah uh but these by their background they're known for their intellect yeah. which kind of makes sense because with them being kind of overlords you get a little bit of a, like a mind flare vibe like oh. if you understand mind flares you can you can adapt to this type of dragon draconia was also a very magical society or at least was they're very magically advanced right their city was floating based off of the technologies that the draconians put into place they were equals as well at the start yeah so like having the idea that these guys are plus two int over the plus two strength really tracks when they are the ones who are magically inventive and uh forward thinking in that regard and by the book they get uh dark vision yep to 60 feet so a dragonborn that has dark vision thank you is this thank you matt mercer it's (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was going to say this wizards, but it's not. No. Matt Mercer's uh, catching everybody <laughs> Matt up. He also spotted this problem. Uh, but they get something called forceful presence as well, because they have um, such a such an ability with regards to uh, di- diplomacy and uh, intimidation. Essentially, essentially manipulating people to do what they want to do. They roll these checks uh, with advantage, and they can do this uh, once uh, every short or long rest, I believe. Good lord! Now you get these. These three, basically, abilities. You get the int for uh, intelligence, you get the uh, dark vision, and you get this advantage on social checks. Do you get your breath weapon still? Because what uh, what are the uh, trade-offs? How are these variants? The uh, ability score modifiers are the variants. So, so the ability score modifiers are the variants. Change out uh, what you normally would have. You would lose um, your resistance, but you would get the advantage on diplomacy checks. Would you still get your breath weapon? You should. Well, it doesn't say that you don't, does it? No. no. You should get your breath weapon yeah. still because you're still choosing a draconic So you're still choosing a draconic answer. You're just not getting the damage resistance yes. from it. Cool. Okay. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Ravenites. So with the Ravenites, as Terry said, they were ruled over by the Dracon blood. So similar to the other variant race Terry talked about, their ability scores get replaced. You get a plus two to strength and a plus one to con, which would help you with, with your breath weapon. You also get dark vision and you get vengeful assault. So when a player, when someone attacks you and you can reach them with a weapon attack, you can use a reaction to shank him good. So you essentially get an attack of opportunity without invoking the, the move away action. Cool. I like that. And you can use it once per long to short rest. All right, cool. These are both far more um, powerful, I I feel. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. they they feel more dragony to me. Yeah. I'm completely okay with losing the damage resistance. Yes. Right? And to to get these cool things and then dark vision, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what were the what were the Ravenites ASIs again? Plus two plus two to uh strength and plus one to constitution. Plus one to con instead of charisma. Yeah, yeah man. I'm I'm playing I'm playing that guy as a barbarian every yeah. day. That one's a great barbarian. Yeah. What is one piece of inspiration or a um, plot hook that you guys could have for these guys in your standard D&D game. Let's take them out of Wildmount and just put them in. Why would there be these two new distinct uh, races of Dragonborn in your homebrew world? Um, do you guys have any insight into that? One way I would uh, do it would be that they've always been in the world, but they've just come out of hiding. Okay. That they both went to war to separate. They had the great upheaval. One side rebelled and broke away. And they separated, but they didn't want the other to know where they are. Both feared reprisal. So they both hid away for hundreds of years, 
and then they can have a sizable population. So where most clans are in the tens to fifties, if you're lucky, they could have a hundred, two hundred, a thousand. So they easily outnumber all other dragonborns, and you could have them as the point of contention in the story. Mm, cool. Yeah, I don't have a, an interesting way to introduce them. I just like the idea of looking past, and I'm thinking dragon blood here, where their ancestors were ruling over people, and now that's not the case anymore. But they're still living their life as individuals, being remembered for that. I took inspiration from Britain. Absolutely, because, <laughs> clearly, because, say. Because clearly. That's, that's literally me. I go through my life, <laughs> go through my life with various people angry at me for certain things, demanding I apologize for things or whatever. And we make jokes. We about never asked you to apologize. We just make fun of you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not about. But but that to, to make that where it would bother somebody because it doesn't really bother. But to, to amplify that to a point where a person has to live their life in that way, and that they're constantly made to feel guilty about something that was completely out of their control. So they're actually being persecuted for it. Yeah, and I think, and now that's not a crazy way to introduce them. That would be that would be something that all of them would have to deal with. But because they're so few and far between, it they would feel very individualistic for them. Cool. Sure. <laughs> completely off topic about Dragonborn. <laughs> Listen to this. A cleric, a wizard, and a barbarian are all sent to the ninth and deepest level of hell. Okay, they get down there, and there's three doors. And the devil says to them, a little imp, he says, I'm going to open these doors one at a time. Whichever one you choose is the one you have to stay in. But you have to decide, because when we go to the next one, you can't go back to the last one. So he opens the door, and they all look in, and there's a load of people stood on their heads on a hardwood floor. And it looks incredibly uncomfortable. And the imp says, you'll have to spend eternity like this. But you can choose to go to the next doors if you want. And the cleric says, I know devils. All of these doors are going to be awful. Believe me, this is going to be the best one. So he says, I'll stay here. The wizard says, I don't think it's going to be like that. I've got a little inkling that we're trying, we're getting tricked here. So I'm going to go to the next door. So the cleric stays there forever. They go to the next door. He opens it up. It's the same situation, but the room is full of uh, little tacks all over the floor. It looks incredibly uncomfortable to stand on your head for forever. The wizard says, it's clearly getting worse. I'm going to stay here. The barbarian says, you're insane. I've been watching you guys for a long time, and I know this imp can't do this again. So they go to the last and final door after the wizard stays there forever. And there's loads of people. There's loads of people in the room, all drinking coffee, standing knee-deep in shit. And the barbarian says, well, this is absolutely fantastic. I love coffee. I don't mind standing knee-deep in shit for the rest of eternity while I'm drinking coffee. So I'll stay here. Thank you very much. The imp says, that's great. And you go, closes the door. You'll spend there forever. The barbarian gets kicked through the door, just about gets himself nice and settled, and another devil yells out to everybody, Coffee breaks over, get back on your head. <sighs> so if you have any problems with what Terry just said, or you would like to <laughs> let him know, contact us on Instagram, Facebook, or on Reddit at It's a Mimic. You can also email us at info at itsamimic.com for mailbag questions such as why. Really, Joe? I thought it was great. <laughs> all, all right. So while you guys go to our social media and furiously ask uh, why Terry is the way he is, um, I want the three of us to grab our dice here and I want to know what is one interesting, unique, dragonborn character build using either the Dragonblood, Ravenite, or stock PHP mm -hmm. Dragonborn. Um, what's a good character build for these guys? Let's I got a 14. 17. Six. All right. 17, Terry. One interesting character build, class, subrace, background, all that. Um, I want to do the Draken Blood. Uh, I would do a Draken Blood background. I didn't really think of like a specific class to go with this. It was more the background and the character uh, that I wanted to 
that I wanted to play. And I want to do this person after the war that they went through between the Rabbinites and the Drakenbloods when the, the, uh, the revolution, the uprising, and they were sent away. And I want to do this character from their point of view where they're jaded and they're bitter because they understood the horrors of war from their side. Okay. Yeah, history, uh, history is written by the victors and all that, but both sides will do awful things. Yeah. So they may have had horrific experiences during this war based on what the other side did to them, their families, their friends. Obviously, they would have been very frustrated and they would have gone through horrific things, but now need to spend their life considered being the bad guy in all of this. Um, and so, yeah, so I would love to play a character that way that still still feels jaded and still hates these people because of what they witnessed them do, even do, though they're considered the good guys and these guys considered the bad guys. Do you have a class? What type of dragonborn is he, like, in terms of color? I would do this as a metallic. I don't have a metallic in mind. Would this be a silver dragonborn? Do you know what? I would do it as a silver dragonborn because there's going to be a lot of confliction there. Yeah, there's cool. Be a lot of what about class? Mm, I would do it as, like, uh, somebody who was probably right in the thick of it and experienced this a lot, so like a battle master or something. That's interesting, playing the plus two int plus one charisma battle master. Whatever. You've got to think no, about I, I mean, no, I'm saying it, it works. It really tracks. I, think I don't think too much about mechanics. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, I would definitely play this guy as like a, uh, you get the veteran uh, background as well. Yeah. Which will really help feed that as. Uh, you can play with PTSD and all kinds of stuff. Oh, it, like playing with that level of trauma would be great. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Dan. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the dark side. Here's your lightsaber. Uh, um, so for me, for me, I love focusing on this idea of the the feudal clan um, finally having to reach out to find help from like a surrounding neighborhood or something. Um, so I would play like the one character who never has experienced anyone outside of his clan finally making it out to the land of the humans, to the non-scaled folk, and for the first time seeing the culture of them and loving it. This guy is a brass dragonborn who has been so involved with his own little, like, almost monastic style. So I would play this guy. I I like the idea of playing with this monk just because you get this plus two strength and that makes it a little bit better. And it really feeds into that uh, narrative. I'd probably make him a Kensai monk. and go full on Ronin. I always forget guy. about monks. I gotta do a monk next. I think I my my next character is a bard, and I'm kind of regretting it. Yeah, that's another one I haven't played. But um, so I I love this idea of this um completely bright eyed young dragonborn seeing the world for the first time and like trying to explain like trying to have things explained to him like wait you guys you guys eat the plants that go on the ground why why do you do why do you I not think just that's all like. <laughs> explain to me this cultural uh regularity like what what is this why are you guys pulling getting animals to pull things for you why do you not just pull them yourselves right right like things like that that would be foreign to this this character and then get him to meet the like other people that have either been banished by his tribe in the past or whatnot who seeing him out in the world come to try to recruit him because of some evil in his like, there's a reason why his brass dragonborn uh, clan stayed remote, right? I, I I love that idea for for a brass dragonborn yeah. level character and make him a monk, make him a kensai, have fun with it. Sure, right? Love James, it. what do you got? I would do a dragonborn or blood too, but I would do it as a rogue that was raised by a rabbinite. 
and they betrayed their clan. They oh. betrayed the Draken blood, and they were the spark that led to revolution. Oh, I would take it separate from the lore of Exandria, where the uh, chromatic uh, conclave did it. Have a, just a revolution that was sparked by this one player that is a rogue, or one or two. They gave the right information because they saw who essentially is their mother or father or whatever be tortured, beat, enslaved, and they just couldn't handle it anymore. Would they feel some guilt towards turning their back on, like, those who at least look like them? Because I feel the way they were raised, being raised by the other side, they will see each one as no different. They will see them as one whole clan that just got separated somewhere along the line and is now abusing each other. Yeah. Mm. So they think there's no difference between either side, so it's not really betraying my bloodline, it's just saving my adoptive mother's bloodline. Cool. I like it. Um, do we have any other thoughts for Dragonborn before we wrap it up, guys? I personally really like Dragonborn. I like how they um, feel. I like the lore that they put in at with these very clan-centric um, collectives of, of Dragonborn that I... I they're one of the few races that specifically specifically call out their lack of reliance on the gods. Um, and I, I, I find that really, really cool, especially since Bahamut is like one of the most integral, universal gods in Dungeons and Dragons, um, what, what, regardless of what it, uh, edition you play. So like the fact that one of the easiest to um, implement gods in the universe it would play such a role with the race that more often than not will want nothing to do with him is very interesting. It feels to me. strange, but it, it is feels very strange. There's there's this weird dichotomy. Even there. on the flip side with Tiamat, yeah, where you would think that they would be diehard. I know. For me, kind of like the more I think about, it, more I hear about Dragonborn lore because before this, I didn't actually know that much. I feel like they were more of like a genetic experiment in this day and age. Where someone took the CRISPR like gene DNA editor and said a little bit of lizard, a little bit of human, what do I get? And Bahamut and Tiamat would be two examples of creatures powerful enough to do that. Yeah, and and I I see it being like a, uh, um, I I think you're completely correct. That's why I liken them to Warforged. Like they were created for a purpose, but I think I was just the, knowledge the dragon gods. Uh, yeah, sure. But it could also have been for some war. Like, they needed to make army. Like, they need to make an army. So they're going to create their own. But because they gave them a lot of will, which is translated with that plus one to charisma, they just decided to do their own thing, right? And Bahamut and Tiamat, being who they are and where they are, were just like, yeah, I, okay, I guess. Sure, I'll get you back. Because still, every single Dragonborn does make a conscious uh, decision on what side of that battle they lie on, right? Um, and I mean, your clan is going to come before that, sure, but that's still a very conscious decision you make for a race of people that are fairly irreligious. That's that's interesting to me. So I don't know, man. I, I like them. I, I still think it's crime that they don't have stock dark vision. I still would give it it's to them. It's so interesting that they would be the the race that is not that religious, but seemingly everybody else is. Yeah. So going through that well, the, world. I mean, you got to look at it like the gods in this world walk the earth. There is quantifiable evidence. There's no question that they about are existence there, right? in D&D. Yeah. Um, it's not like in our real world where there is that question. Um, so like there's not going on faith. Yeah. There is just I I 
I've devoted myself to this entity and that entity thus rewards me with power. That is what religion's like in 5e. It's nothing like we what we have Yeah. with this. A, a warlock might be closer. I've played games where players are like, oh, I'm atheist. I'm like, how? <laughs> That's not even really an option. You can't be atheist yeah. in 5e. Yeah, you can be. You're you playing be. with clerics who you seem call their god by name. There is a way. There, there is a way. Um, you are atheistic not in the sense that you believe the gods don't exist. You are atheistic in the sense where you believe the gods are not necessarily gods they're just incredibly powerful beings right right and that's where fantasy atheism where the gods are so tangible can play right so i like it anyways that's going to be it for our discussion on dragonborn we've got a lot more ground to cover with playable races as we move forward so check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future next week we'll finally be revisiting our conversation on druids and it should be pretty exciting because it's been a whopping 117 episodes since the last time we sang with songbirds and hugged a tree on this podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store full of some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. So I want to talk about one more type of dragonborn. There's another. The Gemstone Dragonborn. It's in Matt Colville's book, Strongholds and Followers. <laughs> uh, okay, so there is some differences in the in the stats and their size and uh, and and some other elements to them. Um, but what is interesting about them is they have uh, limited psionic powers. Oh, cool! So um, if you you guys at home would like to do more research on the gemstone dragons themselves, you can see the full breakdown uh, in strongholds and followers of the of the psionic powers that the dragons have. But the gemstone dragonborns, uh, they have. Uh, Available to them, uh, the psionic power of Flay causes psychic damage that can be amplified um, by adding more charges to it, essentially. So it causes psychic damage that you can add more damage to, depending on how many points you want to add to Okay. It. So they have the psionic ability of Amplify as well, which means that they can essentially focus their mind um, so that for the next minute they can add more damage. They can add another 3d8 psychic damage uh, to their melee attacks. Cool. Well, uh, let's let's roll initiative here real quick and ask, um, do you like the idea of the gemstone uh, dragonborn? I got a two. 20. I got a ten. Uh, so, James, uh, gemstone dragonborn, do you like them? I really do. Cool. They're the one dragonborn <laughs> that gives me. <laughs> Would you allow a player to play one? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah, it'd be great. Even with the psionics? Yeah, it can be mitigated. Things can hit harder. Okay. And they're limited silence. Well. It's very limited. Very limited. It's not yeah. broken, and we like, know Dragonborn are underpowered. So anyway, Dan, you yeah, go. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I like this feel. I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into the stats, but mm-hmm. having like the more like uh, reverent uh, psychic dragon. Like I've always complained that dragons in Five E don't carry that magical feel to them they as don't. well as they should. Yeah. This guy has a little bit more of that. That really translates well. So I like them for that. Yeah. And 100. percent Yeah. I'd, I'd let. Uh, I trust Matt Coville and his ability to design. Yeah. 
And I not only, I probably wouldn't play one, but I would definitely let a player play one. I would play one, but I would play one that's a sorcerer that thinks they're a wizard and take the um, rituals casting and have wizard casting spells. So they'll try to cast a spell during combat as a wizard. Won't be able to happen, so they'll just cast what they can, which is a sorcerer spell. But when they sit down after the fact, like, why the hell didn't this spell work? They'll essentially ritual cast it and it will work. So they'll be like, see, I can do the wizard spell. Yeah. Uh, you're you're handcuffed by the amount of spells that can be cast as a ritual, but at the same time, yeah. You I'm get gonna... enough to at least role play it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I, I wouldn't prevent somebody from playing it as a player character, but I think I would find it more interesting if this was an NPC. The yeah. gemstone dragon that comes hovering down and, you know. These guys, these guys are so rare in comparison to even Dragonborn, which are rare in and of themselves. This is like, like finding Mewtwo, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, right. as I, I, there'd be two in my world. Yeah. If, if, if a I had good a player one and an evil one. If they had a player character, there'd be one other. Yeah. Two in the world, that's it. Yeah. And when one dies, another is born. Oh, that's, that's how cool. I would have it work. So it's always two. I like it. Campaign is being born. Beauty. Sounds like a band. It d- really does. Yeah. And like a bad British band. Which as <laughs> we're phenomenal at music. Which is terrible. Sometimes. Said, uh, all the, Sometimes. What, as opposed to who? Canada? Who's, Canada's got some pretty. Canada celebrates their own musicians and everybody else goes, yeah, Brian Adams that one time in the 90s with Mel C from the Spice Girls, a British group. I have problems with you. <laughs> <laughs> Avril Lavigne, she doesn't age. She's doing all right. So. I mean, Celine Dion. Yeah. Nickelback, I heard, was pretty big. Shut the fuck up. Oh, Nickelback. Don't talk to me about Nickelback. I drew through their hometown once. Some 41. Yeah. All right, some 41. You can have some 41, yeah. Sorry. Shania Twain. There's a few. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Canada's got and a far between. No sure. rape Yeah, but nobody's making documentary after documentary of that time. Tragically hip. Fuck off, tragically. I'm telling you. Do not. That's a Canadian treasure. Do not. No, I know. You are about to be in trouble. I I will take a shit on the Beatles. I never even heard of tragically. I will shit on your car. I never (laughs) even heard of tragically until 2009 when I came to Canada. Nobody outside of the Dominion of Canada even. We don't give a fuck. You can be quiet about the Canadian treasure. Even, even North Dakota on the border has got, well, they don't fucking know. They, they think they are. They, but they're going, they're going, it's like literally next door to Canada, not that they know. And they're going, tragically who? Tragically who? No, no, I'm mad at you now. You're not allowed to speak. Thanks for listening. Bye.